today I probably should tr uh, greet you with the word shalom. Everybody, does anybody know what shalom means? If you're in, if you're in Israel or if you're around a Jewish person and say shalom, they'll probably greet you back shalom. The word simply means peace. Isn't that a wonderful way to greet people? We, we say hello, hi, howdy, and I don't know what any of those words mean. I mean, that, we, we just say that. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we go around greeting each other with the word peace and really wanting peace? Well, what I'd like to talk about this morning is peace in a restless world. Obviously, there's a lot of, we live in a restless world. There's hardly a week goes by, you don't turn TV on, there's been beheadings, mass killings. It's just, it just overwhelming, all the restlessness that's in this world today. And it, we talk about in our Sunday school class, I, I can't imagine what our, you younger people, our children, grandchildren, what you're going to see in your lifetimes. You need peace because you're, we and you will be living even in a more restless uh, world in the future. But you know what? Those beheadings and uh, mass murders, we see them on TV, but there's restlessness here in our community. And often there's restlessness in our homes. Often there's restlessness in our own lives, in our own hearts. But yet there's a source of, of, and, uh, of, of peace, even, in, even regardless how restless it becomes. Uh, First, uh, First Thessalonians 5.3 describes today's world. And Paul is writing in First Thessalonians at this time, he's talking about the second coming of Christ. This is the end of the world. And what does he say? He says, uh, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come suddenly. How many peace conferences do we have today around the world? There, people are calling for peace, peace, but there is no peace. And I think this is a sign of the end of times. We have a promise, though, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can have peace in a peaceful world. It's only through Jesus Christ in our lives. And uh, today I want us to look at Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. And I was overwhelmed this morning when I walked in to give uh, Jeff my little thumb drive of this presentation. When I came in, uh, Danny and Gary and Cynthia were singing, Behold the Lamb. What a perfect song. Uh, how'd you know, Danny, how'd you know I was going to talk about Psalm 23rd? You know, the Lord is at work uh, even as we speak, I think. Psalm, the 23rd Psalm transcends time. Even though it was written before Jesus came, David is talking about this peace that uh, Christ gives us. Let's look at the next uh, No, we're on the next slide. I, I can't keep up with slides. I'm sorry. Uh, I'd like to, for, for us, if you will, read this with me, quote it. I put the King James Version up there because if you're as old as I am, the King James Version of Psalm 23rd Psalm just sounds right. Not that it's any better. It just sounds right. So if you will, please quote it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that wonderful? I can about quit there, isn't it? Well, these, uh, this was written by David. Uh, David, it's kind of curious. I think we probably know about as much about David. Next slide. As we know about as much about David as we do any character in the Bible, it's perhaps other than Jesus. We know from a young boy, a young shepherd boy, we know he, and, and I think to understand the psalm, you have to understand the writer of the psalm because he is, he is reflecting on a lot of his experiences as he writes this psalm. Uh, he kills a bear and lion when, with a slingshot when he's real young. He has much time to reflect out there being a shepherd. He, he was out there by himself. And I, you know, I, uh, I think we've lost that a lot in our society today. We do not take time to uh, just reflect on things. When I was handpicking cotton and driving a tractor by myself as a kid, I had a lot of time to reflect. Uh, we need to turn that radio off and take time to reflect, as David did. He gained a great deal of confidence in himself. He gained a great deal of understanding of sheep. Now, we don't have many sheep around this part of the country but sheep are different from a lot of other livestock. One is they are completely dependent on the shepherd for all of their substance, for protection, for their whole lives. One thing you'll never see is a feral sheep. We see feral hogs, that is, wild hogs. A sheep cannot live in the wild. They have to have a shepherd to take care of them. And so that's the picture uh, he, he's given us, the, that the Lord is our shepherd. Sheep are easily frightened. They often, if they, they'll get in a large bunch and they'll just kill themselves, smother themselves because uh, if they get frightened. They're subject to many predators. So this sheep, he, he understood them as pets, and he understood sheep. Then this shepherd boy ends up being anointed by uh, Samuel as, as king. Soon after that, he defeats Goliath again with a slingshot, uh, and then it becomes a close friend of Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of Saul that should be the next king. Uh, but then, but, but David has taken that, that role. He's honored by Saul. And then he goes on, becomes a man after God's own heart. Next slide. Uh, during that time, very quickly, he becomes despised by Saul. Saul's still king. David then escapes from Saul. Both he, Saul and Jonathan end up being killed. Uh, David has, becomes king, has many victory. Then he does a couple of bad things. He moves the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem. That seems like a good thing, but he does it the wrong way. He doesn't do it the way that God has him to, and he gets punished for that. But then he does something even worse. After he's kind of won a lot of battles, he starts sending his army out without him, and he stays back in Jerusalem. At one time, he looks over the gate, and he sees this neighbor taking a bath, Bathsheba, and he lusts after her. Ends up uh, having an affair with her, a child is born, and then he's got to get rid of Uriah. That's, uh, that is Bathsheba's husband. And he basically has Uriah killed. And then Nathan comes along and says, you're the one that did this, and makes him uh, uh, face what he did. And to David's credit, he repented. And if you ever want to read a wonderful psalm, Psalm 51 is where he repents and God forgives him of that sin. What a wonderful uh, story that, uh, of forgiveness. He forgives him the sin, but he doesn't do away with the consequences of that sin. And as a result of that, after that, we see David having a lot of family problems. Ammon, one of his sons, rapes one of his daughters, Tamar. And then uh, Absalom, another son, goes and kills Ammon. And then Absalom tries to, become, or, uh, tries to take over uh, king, 
uh, tries to do away with David, and he ends up dying. Um, David ends up being denied, uh, being denied the opportunity to build the temple. He ends up writing much of the Psalms, when, and that's part of the reason we understand so much of how David feels because of what he wrote, and probably including Psalm 23, which was probably written near the end of his life. So I think he was reflecting on all of these things that he had gone through as he wrote this 23rd Psalm. He starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, there's two primary roles of shepherds. Shepherds had, one is to provide subsistence. And you see this in those first three verses. He, he's talking about uh, not wanting, lying down in green pastures, still waters, uh, restoring my soul. This is the substance, food, water, shelter. That's, that's one of the roles of the shepherd. A second role of the shepherd, you see in verses 4 through 6. Next slide. In that the second role is to provide safety. We see that in these last four verses, talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, preparing a table in presence of the enemies. This is safety. And these are the same roles. This is what David is reflecting on when he was a shepherd, but then he is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord provides me substance. The Lord provides me safety. So the Psalm 23rd is a wonderful, wonderful piece of literature. If you were just studying literature, it is piled full of images. And that's what I want us to look at this morning is 12 images of a shepherd. He, uh, uh, David says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he gives you 12 images, uh, uh, word pictures of what a sh- what the, how the Lord is his shepherd. Now, I got on Google, and I'm not much of a Googling, but I Googled some Tom, Psalm 23 pictures. So for each of these images, I put up a picture that I got from Google. Now, it may not be a good picture. It may not, but it at least spoke to me. So uh, if you don't like them, just ignore that picture, and you might like the next one. The first image that we have of this shepherd, first of all, it says, uh, the first image is, is that of security. I shall not want. Isn't that a beautiful uh, picture of, of what, how God relates to us? Now, I assume every one of you have everything you want. Do you have unfulfilled wants? We as Christians should not have unfulfilled wants. If you've got unfulfilled wants, your wants are wrong. If we've got our wants in line with God, then he's going to supply it to us. You know, that, that means that, you know, I'd like to have dark hair, but that's... It does, it, that's not going to happen. Or, well, I guess it could happen. Uh, Donna, you could take care of that, couldn't you? you could, that'd make me have dark hair. But, you know, th- this, this aspect of all of our wants, we get what we want if our wants are in line with what God wants us to. Thy will be done. And that's where we need to come to in our relationship to God. Uh, the second image is a, of a happiness. I like that picture. That's a, I, I that's about like my, no, I couldn't draw that good. Uh, he making me lie down in green pastures. When does a cow or sheep lay down, lie down in green pastures? If they're hungry, do they lie down? No, they eat and they eat and they eat and then they can't eat anymore and what do they do? They lay down. Just like, oh, contented cow is kind of the picture there of a contented cow. It's kind of like uh, Thanksgiving dinner. You eat and you eat and what do you do, Bill? You lay down, take a nap. Well, that's, that's this idea. That's, that's, 
Is there anything happier than being full and laying down and taking a nap? That's, that's this picture. And to me, it's very interesting is, uh, uh, is that this is happening, this green pastures, he's, he's in a desert. You know, we, we have, with all this rain, we've got green everywhere. In a desert, there's not any green around. So he's saying these, the, this is the, really the pit, real picture of happiness in a desert. If you've got green pastures, you've got water, and you've got it made. There's happiness. Uh, so this, this beautiful picture of happiness. Do we have green pastures today in your life? Are you lying in green pastures? Probably, probably you've got some things that are not too green, isn't it? Well, uh, we've got a great promise, Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for them that love the Lord and are called according to his, his purpose. We've got green pastures. We just need to go out and find them and lay down in them. That, that God provides that. The third image is peace. He leadeth beside the still waters. Now, shepherd or sheep will not drink out of rough water. If water is real rough, and the reason is they're, they're afraid to get down there, they'll get wet and they'll drown. They'll, their wool will get wet and they can't swim very well. So what a shepherd would do is if a stream is very rough, he would put some rocks there and cause a little pool of water. And that would be that still water. Then they will go drink out of that still water. Well, the image of, of peace is, again, to me, one of the most wonderful concepts that God gives us. Still waters, can we have still waters in troubled times? There's not much peace in this world. And when peace occurs, it's, it's not very long. And usually we, people would find peace as just simply... Well, nobody's killing each other, so it must be peace. Is that peace? No. That's just the absence of war. And the absence of war just lasts for a little while, and then it's, people will start seem like find a way, something to fight over again. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is that inside contentment that we have of, of God in our lives. That's where, that's where we can get peace. The fourth image uh, is that of strength. He restoreth my soul. I love this picture here, this little lamb on a, uh, I guess that's supposedly a picture of Jesus, uh, anyway, of the shepherd. The lamb totally dependent and uh, totally relying upon Jesus. And, uh, and the shepherd is there taking care, care of the sheep. This is where we get our strength. We get our strength through Jesus. We're not going to get our strength through things we do on this earth. We're not going to get our strength through anything we can accomplish our strength comes from Christ. And that, uh, uh, that, that we are just like that sheep. Uh, I, I, that's what we need to do is be able to just lay our heads down on, on, on Christ. The fifth image is that of guidance. Uh, verse, the last part of verse 3. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, how do we, uh, was David always led by God? I don't think he led him to, uh, to, to carry that ark in the wrong way. He certainly didn't lead him over to Bathsheba's house. He did not, and he didn't lead him to go kill Uriah or have Uriah killed. Did he, uh, does, does he, uh, but the thing about David is that even though God was not leading him things, David always came back to God. 
He repented. Are we going to always do God's will? Probably not. We're going to go out of his will. But I think one of the key things is we need to recognize when we're out of his will. We recognize, we first got to recognize that we're not doing what God wants us to do. Then we simply repent of that and we turn back to him. And God is back there, uh, standing there with open arms uh, to accept us. So, uh, we get this guidance. Uh, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Most of the time, we know. How do we know God's will? There's been a lot of debate. Of you do these different steps, and you find what God's will is. Most of the time, we can know God's will by simply doing God's will. And that, to me, is a, a great principle in, in life. As as we are as Christians, as we do God's will, He shows us the next thing to do. And as we walk, we walk in his light. And that we, we know we, we shouldn't have to struggle with knowing what God's will is. Most of the time we can look at his word and we can find his will. If we don't find it directly in his word, his Holy Spirit will, will point it out to us if we're seeking it. Other Christians can help us to see God's will. And then just simply the circumstances. And some uh, around us can help us. Sometimes God will give us a sign. Sometimes he will make it very clear. Uh, I, I don't, there's not many times when God has really flashed a light and uh, made a sign for me, but there have been times when I needed that and I uh, have uh, seeked it and he has shown me. The sixth image uh, comes from verse 4. Yea, is, is the image of assurance. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Uh, and there's a couple of pictures there. One of the sheep uh, about to fall off a ledge. The other is kind of more the, the, the shadow uh, of death. There's, there's also, I couldn't find an image, but there's, I've read where there's, there's particularly in Israel, there's a place where, uh, where, they, where David was, that there's a place where it's a narrow, uh, narrow gap between some rocks, and there's a path they had to go through. And that this was called, referred to as a shadow of death because a lot of times bandits would hide in those rocks and attack people going through that narrow gap. So that, that's, that's kind of the image we have there of this, uh, of going through, uh, of, of assurance that he can be with us. Last week in our Sunday school lesson, we learned that faith, or one of the writers indicated that faith and fear cannot, cannot coexist. If we have fear... We're not looking to God. There's things that are scary in this world. There's things that can frighten us. But we, if we live with fear, then faith is not there. We need to turn, turn our lives then over, over to God, and that, that fear will disappear. There's no fear of evil. We can have no fear of evil uh, even in this very evil world. The seventh image is that of comfort. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, you know, the staff that the shepherd carried, this hooked staff, was used uh, to protect the sheep. It was used to rescue them and, and also uh, used to punish them. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to think of being comforted by, by a staff, particularly if somebody's coming toward you to spank you. Can we be comforted by God's punishment? Absolutely. If, if, if God cares enough for you to keep you in line, 
to punish you, to correct you, then we should be comforted by that. If he doesn't, if he's not correcting us, we should be really concerned. If we're not being corrected, we, we know when we're not in line. If we're not getting that correction, if we're not getting that nudge to get back in line, then we need to uh, uh, turn around. We should be concerned at that point. Correction is a demonstration of love. Uh, my mom used to tell me that, that a lot. And I'm not sure I ever quite believed it until I became a parent. A parent that does not correct their child does not really love them. And that's where God really loves us, and therefore he will correct us. The eighth image, and the last, these last five images all relate to life with God. And it comes from the last two verses uh, of this psalm. The first of these five is, victor- is a picture of victorious life. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, th- this beautiful picture that even if, if you're under siege by the enemy, you can sit down and eat. That we can even, we can, and in that way, if you're under siege and you're still eating, then you've defeated your enemy. Because the whole idea of a siege is to cut off your supplies and starve you to the point that you have to give in to that enemy. If you're able to eat in front of that enemy and not give in to that siege, then you've, you've defeated that enemy. That's a beautiful picture that, that God prepares a table for us. Even when we are in our worst situation, he prepares a table for us, and we can, with confidence, sit down and eat. The, the, the next image of this life with God is a purposeful life. Thou, preparest, or thou knowest my head with oil. In this picture here, the, the, the shepherd is probably apparently pouring some oil over the sheep's head. This was, this was an ointment. This was, uh, uh, very often they do this to, as a, as a uh, medication. In, in David's life, he was anointed with oil. What was that for? When he became king, you remember Samuel anointed his head with oil. That was the way he set him apart. He said, you're going to be, he anointed, he anointed him as king. He gave him a purpose. Today, just like David, we get anointed. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you get anointed. Not with oil. We get anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit comes in us and lives within us. A beautiful picture of God's presence uh, that we carry each day. The third picture of the, of the life with God is a joyful life. I like this little picture. That's a, I don't know if that sheep is happy or lamb is happy or not. It looks happy, doesn't he, Gary? Uh, joy, we have this beautiful picture. Our, my cup runneth over. Now, if you've got a full cup, you're, you should be content, aren't you? Yeah, as long as I've got something in my cup, I'm okay. If that cup's full, I'm even happier. If it starts running over, it goes beyond what I could possibly need. And that's the, the, that's, that's the picture, is that we, we have this happiness beyond just having that contentment. We have this joy that goes beyond happiness. Uh, and the, the, the beautiful idea I, ha- I have from this is that God gives me more than I deserve. Thank the Lord. 
Because if he just gave me what I deserved, uh, I'd be real sad. He gives, he gives us more, and it's that joy of God's presence uh, that we carry with us every day. Well, the fourth of these uh, images of life with God is a meaningful life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I heard this several years ago is that goodness and mercy could be uh, equated to two sheepdogs. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen sheepdog work sheep. Has anybody ever seen that? That's an interesting, I, 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 they used to have demonstrations of this down at, uh, at Mississippi State for Children's Day. They would bring these sheepdogs and this flock of sheep, and it was amazing. These two dogs would work the, this flock of sheep and would keep them in a bundle, then kind of push them over to this other stall. One, of them, one sheep starts getting out, out from the group, what would that dog do? One of those dogs would go nip at its heels and then put it back in that group and all of a sudden they're moved from one place to the other. Very, very fascinating how they can train a dog to do that. The image here is, though, is two sheepdogs, goodness and mercy. And these are the, these are the two dogs uh, that are following us all the days of our lives. Goodness is what I can do. I can be good to a certain extent, but my goodness fails. And whenever my goodness fails, mercy picks up. So goodness is what we can do. Mercy is what God does when we fail. Aren't you thankful that we have both of them in our lives that are, are, that are, that are following us and protecting us and being there with us uh, every day? The final image of, of uh, God with us is eternal life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, life with God uh, is, and, and we, we have that opportunity for eternal life. If we live to be 100 years old, it's just, that's, that's a drop of time. It's beyond my comprehension to think of eternal life. I can't, I can't imagine anything without end. How do we just keep going on and on and on? We do it with the presence of God. Uh, salvation uh, is, is, three fa- is three phases where we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And that's the picture then that we have of, of salvation. So, what do we get from Psalm 23rd? 23rd Psalm, we get abundant life. And I love John 10.10. 10. Uh, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. It's not that we just have life, that we survive we have life in abundance. And what is abundance life? Uh, an abundant life. It's what David's talking about. It's what David describes in the 23rd Psalm. Abundant life is when we feel secure, when we have happiness, we have peace, strength, guidance, assurance, comfort, and that all leads to a victorious, joyful, purposeful, joyful, eternal, or a meaningful, eternal life. Now, how do we get to that? We get to that abundant life First of all, simply by allowing God into our lives. We accept him. We accept him as our savior. And then we do a second step. Once he's in our lives, we turn our lives over to him. And this is where we allow God to be our shepherd. We turn our lives over to him. And we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. It's hard. To, sometimes it's hard to turn things over to God. Uh, I turn things over to God. I turn around and pick them back up. 
we need to be able to have enough faith in God that once we turn it over to him, we leave it there and go on. I think that's what David did in his life. He made some big mistakes, and he, he repented, he turned it over to God, and then he turned and went to the next step. That's what we, we need to do in our lives. The final slide. How do we do that? There's only one way. And Jesus, Jesus answered. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. And the real question I leave you with this morning is do you have that personal relationship with God through his Son? That's the only way you're going to have true peace. You may make peace with somebody for a while, but if you've made peace, that peace won't last. It's only when you have that, that peace that, that, that God gives us. So can we have peace in a restless world? We're not going to change this world. I can guarantee this world will probably become even more restless as evil people in this world uh, continue to do bad things. They do bad things to us, to our children, to our country. To, to, they seem to thrive on evil. That restless world will become even more restless. But regardless what they do, you can have peace. You can have that peace that surpasses understanding. And that peace is through God. Do we have uh, some... Let's, uh, if you will, bow your heads. And as this music is played, if you do not have that peace, I welcome you to come up. Uh, you can pray for yourself. We have, there's some folks here who will be happy to visit with you. Let's pray that you can, that uh, you look in your heart. If there's something that is restless, that you can, you, this morning, you can get that peace that surpasses understanding.